Welcome back to the Raider Report podcast, everyone. My name is Nick Benvenuto. I'm the news editor for the Wright State Guardian, joined as always by Claire O'Toole, social media assistant. Hey, guys. Holly Hewlett, social media assistant. Hey, everyone. And this week, we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Ann Stalter from the College of Nursing and Health. Ann, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks for letting me come. Yeah, thanks for being on here. Um, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about your work you know, in the College of Nursing and Health and some of the changes and some of the effects that the coronavirus has had on, you know, your degree program and how some, and how some of the students are, you know, reacting to these changes and then the return to fall. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, what you're excited about and that sort of thing as well. So we'll go ahead and get this episode started. So if you want to go ahead and start, just describe to us, you know, your position here at Wright State and some of the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. Well... I'm a professor, a full professor in the College of Nursing and Health. I've been with Wright State for about 22 years now, um, teaching nursing. And so what I know is that it's really hard to define a typical day in nursing or nursing education. I'm sure. Flexibility is a distinctive feature for nurses because every day, sometimes every minute of every day, presents Mm -hmm. us with dramatic challenges. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'd like to offer just a little bit of context about our COVID um, experiences. Pre-COVID, most nursing faculty spend 60% or more of their work week in clinical settings. And what they do there is help students translate classroom and skills that they've learned in their labs to actual practice. So when the lockdown happened, nursing faculty and students were forced out of the clinical settings. And this has gone on for months. And some aspects of that um, force out are continuing today. Mm-hmm. Nursing has uh, nursing faculty had to shift from face to face clinical teaching in the to the virtual space, and mm-hmm. so imagine if you would for a minute trying to learn how to care for a person, say start an IV or give a shot, without um, having an actual patient present. I can't imagine that. I mean, we can give a how to worksheet. Um, and have students maybe demonstrate on an orange in front of a screen. Um, But it it just isn't the same as doing it with a patient in a hospital. Mm -hmm. And this very example is why why faculty in the College of Nursing and Health value our relationships with the over 200 agencies across the Miami Valley region that we're privileged to serve. Um, The sites and agencies work hand in glove to prepare a ready nursing workforce for Ohio. Now, when the pandemic hit and the governor set in motion for the university to go remote, nursing faculty had to switch from face-to-face teaching along with all the other faculty, and the students, of course, had to follow suit. But here's what people think we might have done. They might have thought, well, you have these available nursing students and the country's in a healthcare crisis. Send mm-hmm. them to the hospitals and let them learn there. Seems like a no-brainer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we couldn't switch to a total 
clinical setting support unit, meaning we couldn't go in there and do that because when the pandemic hit, nurses across the world went into what we call crisis intervention mode. And that means that they had to make um, what we refer to as utilitarian decisions. What this means is nurses in a crisis mode have to do the greatest good for the greatest number of people. Mm-hmm. And in a non-COVID world, the ethics of care is doing the most good while doing the least harm. So if you recall, there was a PPE shortage Mm -hmm. and giving a mask to a student was not consistent with delivering crisis care. Mm -hmm. Now I'm gonna tell you something, and this isn't a secret, but sometimes people don't really understand this. Nursing faculty take student protection quite seriously. But nursing law is clear that patient protection supersedes student advocacy. So the College of Nursing and Health effort was that our lab donated all of our protective equipment to local agencies. And with that mindset of patient safety, our clinical agencies were forced to restrict students from care provision. So how we function with COVID has been unprecedented, just like everywhere else, but it's been a different challenge for us. Now, are you guys with me so far? Got yeah, any questions absolutely. about yeah. that? Okay, yeah. so I got a little bit more to tell you about that when it came to COVID and pre-COVID work. Um, and you don't get to ask me questions about nursing without my mentioning Florence Nightingale, because I just wouldn't be doing do justice if I didn't do that. So for those of you listening, if you don't know, she is our mother of modern nursing. Mm -hmm. And her vision for nursing education was an international system where care providers are held accountable for delivering safe, high quality care. Protecting patients and the public is a commitment all nurses are bound by law to uphold. So nursing faculty across the nation The Mm -hmm. world, in fact, had to get creative and engage their students while preparing safe, ethical, and knowledgeable clinicians. In Wright State's program, nursing students complete about 200 clinical hours per semester. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we we were very challenged to do this virtually. Here are the other challenges that we had. Pre-COVID, the National State Board of Nursing recommend that nursing programs use simulation as a clinical substitute for traditional clinical experiences, but simulation cannot exceed 50% of the clinical hours. So we're not allowed to cut back those hours, and we could only do 50% of those um, in the lab or in some sort of virtual way. So we were just scared to death that we Mm -hmm. were going to break the law. Fortunately, in response to COVID, the state of Ohio waived the requirement and allowed us to exceed the 50% limitation as long as we gave them acceptable rationale for why we were replacing it. And we weren't just allowed to say because of COVID, we had to, really explain why we were having students do something like insert a needle into an orange online and not onto a, into a patient. So it was really a challenge for us. Most faculty um, were not prepared to use virtual formats to educate their students. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about things like 
you all probably experienced, like voicing over PowerPoint lectures and putting yeah. them up on pilot or using respondents to take your tests or developing um, rubrics for fair and easy um, uh, evaluation. Mm -hmm. Those challenges were just the foundation of what we were dealing with. Nursing faculty had to find or create virtual labs, case studies, games, escape rooms, find telehealth experiences or COVID tracing or any other interactive means to hold novice practitioners accountable for the safe um, provision of high quality care. And this challenge was even more intensified for nursing faculty because they had the fear of getting COVID. They were experiencing mm -hmm. job insecurity. They had a lack of confidence with technology. And this won't surprise you, but we had zero funding to support any new ways of doing our jobs. A lot of the textbook companies were stepping up saying, here's a virtual case study, but here's the cost of it. So we had no money to work with. I attended a public health nursing research affinity group um, discussion last week where nursing faculty from the Midwest, Northeast, and um, Southwest regions of the country um, described sitting in front of their computers for greater than 18 hours a day. Now, think for a minute the irony of a health-oriented educator risking blood clot formations in their legs to, and risking their own health for the good of their students. Mm -hmm. Our passion is not, you can't, um, you can't put it in a box, okay? Yep. You can't package it in any other way but from our hearts. And the faculty in this affinity group voiced concerns that they don't know if their teaching strategies were effective, but they knew this one thing. And this one thing that they knew was that everyone survived. And survival to them meant that they were living to tell the story and that they had retained their jobs and their students. So yeah. I'll be succinct and answer the question that you asked me. What's it like? In this COVID world, nursing faculty spend much more time in virtual spaces under extreme mental conflict, mm -hmm. placing their health at risk to prepare a safe future nursing workforce. And at in Wright State, we're doing it for the Miami Valley region. Wow, that's incredible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's truly incredible. And I can tell, you know, just by listening to the way that you described everything that you all have gone through, you know, like the passion that you really do have for the work that you're doing here. Yes. And that's, it's part of the reason that I have such admiration for people that go into the nursing field in general. You know, it's something that I definitely could not do, but I am very, very glad you know, that there's people mm -hmm. out there like you, um, Dr. Stalter, that put yourself into these situations and into these positions um, with the care and the health of the people under you, you know, solely on your mind. I, I just think that that's absolutely incredible. We're proud. We're privileged to do it. I, I can speak for all my all my peers. So speaking of, you know, all of the, the troubles and challenges that you guys have gone through in the nursing field over this past year, um, what are some of the positives that have come out of it, at least in your personal experience, you know? while utilizing new technologies or doing things in this online format? Is there anything that, that has come out of it that's positive that you can use looking forward you know, into the future? I think we learned how to collaborate and I think we learned how to do some things um, more efficiently. And I think we're still learning about it. The research affinity group that mm -hmm. I went to last week 
um, that was part of it. Like, what are we taking? What are the takeaways that we, we can actually say the, we can study and say the evidence mm-hmm. says this, this is what we did well. This is what we need to continue to do. We're still discovering it. But I think um, in our college, we learn to collaborate more. We learn mm-hmm. to, um, you know, kind of get along better so that, um, so that the students had what they needed. That's awesome. What was the student um, reaction like, you know, this time last year when everything was kind of you know, starting to build up and the craziness was starting to begin. What to now, what has the student reaction been like? Um, What's the morale like? Well, I would say like much of the country, the 20 something nursing student, the pre-licensure student, they're just over Mm -hmm. it. They're just, they're just ready to come back. Um, But what does that really mean in terms of coming back? There's some comfort in virtual learning. I mean, you're adult learners, so to speak, right? So you mm-hmm. can juggle um, juggle the demands of work and family and, and uh, have a life um, and still learn when you're in an online world. So coming back um, is going to have its challenges, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So nursing students have uh, had to respond to different program changes, of course. What have some of those been? How have the programs in the nursing school changed? Well, kind of overall, I could I could really just say the same thing I said a minute ago, but I think I'll answer, I, I think I could probably answer the question by whining a lot about work conditions and burnout and the students saying the same thing, right? But I won't. The answer from a program perspective is just unequivocally enrollment Mm. Um, because the balance between the supply and demand um, has never been more apparent than it is in our industry as it is right now. The mission of our efforts to prepare the region with a safe nursing workforce um, is just what we do. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the employment um, of a registered nurse is projected to grow 7% in this decade, which is faster than the average for all occupations. So to that end, the bachelor's prepared nurse capable of providing safe quality care at the bedside is the number one need in the Dayton region. And this was recently confirmed at a meeting with the um, local chief nursing officers. But the deficits in our workforce uh, regarding diversity are very evident. And let me explain that for a minute. By 2050, we expect a patient population of greater than 50% non-white who are non-English speaking. Another variable is that only 37% of Ohio nurses have bachelor's degrees, and the benchmark for that is 80%. So we're really um, not where we need to be in terms of having a prepared workforce. And the deficit in ed- the educational preparation um, has to be met. Another reality is that the demographics of nursing faculty across the nation and in Dayton are that, you know, most of us are 50 to 75 years old, white females, um, 80% of us are white females, and um, 
less than 2% hold doctoral degrees. So who's going to teach the nurses, the nursing students to be nurses. That's like the, a big deal, right? Yeah, so absolutely. those, yeah. yeah. So those entering practice really need to fill um, the diversity, education, and teaching readiness gaps so that the population, um, so that the needs of the population are met. Um, according to a recent study by Kaiser Permanente, Enrollment in the undergraduate nursing program across the nation has increased by about 6% since COVID. And the finding indicated that the interest in nursing was a personal call to enter a noble profession. So COVID seemed to Mm -hmm. spark a real devotion for people to serve humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh The enrollment data for Wright State for fall is pending. We don't know what that is yet. But um, I urge anyone um, who's listening or knows anyone who is interested in nursing to apply and develop a program of study to enter the profession. We need you. You are wanted. Um, Just call the College of Nursing and Health and speak with one of our awesome academic advisors. And if you're concerned about meeting admission criteria, they will help you plan for success. Um, And that phone number is 937-775-3131. Now, if you're concerned about the health risks associated with the job, there are nearly 150,000 working nurses in Ohio who can help you come to term with these fears. About half (laughs) of them work in hospitals located either here in the Dayton, uh, Cincinnati, Southwest region, or in the Northeast regions of the state. The age range for those nurses are 18 to 55, so young nurses have the capacity for a lengthy career. The greatest incentives are pay and professional development. On ZipRecruiter.com, the average annual pay for registered nurses in Ohio is about $61,000 a year for starting salary, which is just shy of $30 an hour. Uh, Most employers will pay tuition reimbursement to advance nursing education, and those with bachelor's degrees are eligible to be commissioned officers in all branches of the United States Armed Services. So I would encourage young people to discuss their career options with a Wright State ROTC recruiter, and they have an office in Millette Hall. Wow, that's all great information. I just had had a question come up as you were talking, what is the most popular concentration of nursing, which you're saying, has that changed since COVID? So what I would say is prior to COVID, we were looking a lot at um, ICU prepared nurses or skill sets. And now we, I don't know that we have a good handle on what is going to be needed the ICU skill was definitely needed during the COVID. Um, and I would just say that if you have a bachelor's prepared, if you are a bachelor's prepared nurse, um, that you will have the skills that you need to secure a job that will help you be a safe um, provider at bedside nursing. So once you have that 
um, have those qualifications and you have your foot in the door, then specializing into specific units would be what you would do next. So from there, you once you have those general um, experiences, the, the hospitals can then help you become more proficient at, say, labor and delivery, ER, um, surgery, or those other areas. Is that does that help you? Yes, definitely. That's great. And we have onboarding programs that are like, um, so once you graduate, then there's a transition to practice that the hospitals offer that will help you um, gain those uh, proficiencies for your next step. So we don't just say you graduated, goodbye. We There is kind of an interim transition period that the hospitals um, recognize. That's awesome. That's great. What about the uh, vaccination clinics? Tell me a little bit about that and how right state nursing students are getting involved with those. Yes. So as I've indicated, the need for a prepared and safe nursing workforce is huge. Our current nursing students have really stepped up to the challenge that we've all been facing. They understand the need for controlling COVID and getting the public back to work. No one is more ready than that 20-something student nurse, as I described earlier. Um, And just like faculty across the nation are describing um, the survival, our Wright State nursing students have also survived. We've had some get COVID and we've worked with them to help them meet their clinical requirements, um, their clinical hours. We have persevered and un- precedent event, but they today are making history and having a positive impact on our community. This semester, I've been um, lucky enough to have coordinated five faculty to oversee nearly 40 students in Greene County. And since January 21st, these students have inoculated approximately 12,000 residents ages Um, 50 plus, including the disabled persons. Um, And the Greene County Health Department aims for 144,000 residents um, to be fully vaccinated, and that will help them reach herd immunity, which is um, 80% of 180,000. So that 144,000 represents herd immunity. Um, To date, we've only met about approximately 13.5% of those residents. Um, but we've given a little over 24,000 injections. And what this means is that Wright State nursing students have given nearly half of all the injections in Greene County. And um, oh, wow. that's huge impact. I was not aware of that. Yeah. So these stats are guesstimated with the epidemiologist. And so, you know, if you really need the confirmation for that, I can I can work to get more accurate numbers. But that is like so mind-boggling to know what an impact these students have had on yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah it's yeah. it's amazing now you guys are with the guardian there's a there's a news something that comes up on the uh right state news every week they uh showcased two of two of my students they're called they called themselves the nightingales and they um they told the it was uh, written by jim Hanna, and he um he captured what they were doing and how they ex- how excited they were, and I think he talked to them sometime in uh, late January. So, um, so we're we're known and they're known. It's kind that's of awesome. fun. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, my uh, last question for you uh, also has to do with uh, you being 
uh, well-known. In 2019, you won the Outstanding Community and Public Health Nursing Education Award. Um, and so I wanted to get a little background on this award and just ask you how you felt when you got it. Well, there's just one emotion for something like that, and that was humility. And I'm humble because, you know, humility is the pathway for wisdom. So when you, if when your peers recognize your professional effort, it's a statement of credibility and acceptance. So the reward, um, there, there's really no words to describe it. So that's why I pick humility, right? Um, but the reward gave way for the Green County Community and Improvement Corporation and the Green County Department of Development to name me as a Green County Achiever. And that was in accordance with the Green County Board of Commissioners resolution. So I'm in the books as the Green County Achiever because of that. Um, That's awesome. That, it didn't stop there, you guys. It was like it was like this ripple, like domino effect. That resulted in being recognized by the General Assembly at of the 10th District of the State of Ohio, the Congress of the United States, the House oh, wow. of Representatives, and the United States Senate. So I don't think I've ever said that out loud before, but <laughs> it's very humbling. <laughs> I mean, wow. it's just remarkable. And those were my national peers. So that was like, you know, a pinching and it wasn't does it kind virtual. Of, does it kind of bring those emotions back when you say it out loud? Uh, yeah, like like <laughs> if we were on camera, you would see me somewhere between like having tears in my eyes and um, smiling. I mean, it's just it's amazing. It it's just it's just amazing. So, uh, Doctor Salter, I'm curious, uh, where does your passion for nursing come from? I think I can say this. We're recording this on Palm Sunday, so I'll just say it. My passion from nursing comes from God. I'm a Roman Catholic and therefore a disciple of Jesus. And it's my responsibility to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. And caring and compassion are the staples in the backpack I carry along my spiritual journey. And let me make no mistake about this. That backpack is a cross. That's beautiful. That's really I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Did you always want to be involved in uh, nursing and health through your religion? <laughs> That's kind of a funny question to me, of course, because I have no choice. Um, none of us do. Mm. Health is a reflection of our ability to thrive and survive in the world. It has multiple dimensions, and it's expressed in a variety of ways. But ultimately, we are all living beings, and at some point, we will not be living. And on that continuum, we will either be the healthy one or we will be helping the less fortunate to thrive or survive. I'm just lucky enough that I've been educated on how to help people along the continuum. And I love the fact that I've been able to earn a living helping others. It's a really wonderful thing that you're doing, Dr. Salter. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, I know you talked about a bunch of the things that changed when COVID hit and how everybody everything had to switch to online, but what are you looking forward to most uh, in regard to returning to in-person classes this fall? Well, I love that the COVID experience gave me time to prepare and chunk my lectures into small lessons that can be used in flipped or team-based learning classrooms. 
The opportunity means that I can make in-class experiences and lessons more meaningful, and I can perform pre- and post-test measurements to determine the effectiveness of my teaching. I hope I can be in a room where distancing and masks are not the norm, and I really want students to be free to move around and for me to see their facial expressions, and that way I will know for certain if they're engaged in learning. But um, to close on that idea would be that homework for everybody who's listening, okay? This is it. I ask everyone who's listening to do two things before they return to campus, and that's educate and vaccinate. Educate yourself on the campus and in-class safety protocols by checking the Wright State COVID website. If you're a non-international student seeking a vaccination, understand that the College of Nursing and Health no longer oversees student health that student health is located at the Wright State's Physicians Building back by, by K-Lot. It's at 725 University Boulevard, and there's a vaccination registration sign-up site there, or you can call them at 937-245-7200 for more information. If you don't want to go there to get your vaccination, please go to your local health department they will help you. Green County is see, seeing those 16 and older, so your time, it's, it, it's an okay time to come. Um, if you are an international student seeking a vaccine, I think that they're offered at the student union, but I'm not for certain about that. You can probably email UC at askuc at right.edu to find out more, and their phone number is 937-775- 5745. Yeah, that's a lot of awesome information. Uh, I I didn't know most of that information, so that was really helpful. Um, but I am also looking forward to in-person classes next semester. Um, one final question for you. Uh, do you drink coffee? And if you do, how do you take your coffee? Yes, I drink coffee. I drink two cups of coffee every morning. That's my limit. And I drink it black. And I perk my own. Awesome. You're mentioning about uh, Green County being open for vaccinations for people 16 and older. I believe uh, Montgomery County is open for it too now because um, they're doing a big um, like mass vaccination thing at the convention center in downtown Dayton. Oh, so nice. that's pretty awesome. Yes. All over the region, there are vaccination clinics and there is a state website that you can go to if you just Google COVID um, state of Ohio, I believe that you can find the registration site and all of the um, places that have the vaccine. It'll even say if they're if they've pre-registered whether or not the site can take you on the day that you're interested in going. So um, it it is a it is a very nice site to be able to go to um, so that you can register and get that vaccine. If people have questions about that vaccine. Um, you can go to the CDC website, but I love this one guy. I believe his name is, um, Mad Dog Z or Z Mad Dog. He does, um, uh, some awesome educational plugs that will help students, um, answer some of those, uh, questions about messenger RNA, um, and spike proteins and, which brand is the best and all of that. He's very informative. And I wish I, um, 
I wish I knew his Facebook name a little better, but I think it's Mad Dog Z. Very wonderful. Uh, definitely something to keep in mind as we as we continue to all get vaccinated. With the um, with the radio station, I will say um, definitely check it out. We've been covering the women's basketball, uh, women's volleyball, not just even sports too. We of course we're a radio station. We do uh, music radio. We do talk radio. We do basically anything you'd want to listen to. Personally, I have a show on there. Other than this. Uh, called Rockin' Raider. has the same initials as Raider Report. That was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I play a lot of rock music, talk about pop culture. It's usually a lot of fun. And been integrating a podcast I've been doing here recently. Uh, Nick's going to be on the show tomorrow. We're going to have a few alumni coming in, including a couple of WWSU alumni, uh, Daniel Hood, Alex Moran, Trevor Abley. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. I just wanted to say um, thank you to Holly and Claire and Maxwell for being here um, for another week and another episode with us. Thank you, Dr. Stalter, for coming in and providing some insight on, you know, all of the wonderful things that are going on in the College of Nursing and giving us insight on how it's been, you know, going through this coronavirus and this unprecedented time this past year. Um, it's been very insightful and you've provided us with a lot of great information, a lot of great re resources for students and faculty to use. Um, you know, going forward to these in-person classes returning next fall. So Dr. Stalter, thank you so much for being here today, taking some time to sit down and talk with us. Thank you so much. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. And I wanted to let everybody else know that we will be back next week with another episode. So be sure to check out our social medias at WSU Guardian on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. We're all over the place. We are always putting out content on a basically daily basis for you guys. So be sure to check out our social medias for your right source of news. And with that being said, one more thank you to everybody that's here. Thank you to everybody that's listening and continuing on this, um, this journey with us as we continue to create content for you guys. So thank you so much. We'll be back next week and have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye, guys. Bye. See you, everyone.